0: And we're jumping into something else. Uh, but this series, um, titled B, we've been walking through some various things that God has called us to be. See, oftentimes our culture is expressed in doing, like we think that we have to do more, right? Uh, We think we have to do good things. Like the world would even tell us that you got to just do a bunch of good works, right? And that's how you get to heaven. No, that's not true. You get to heaven because of who you are. (laughs) Amen, somebody. You get to heaven not because of the good things that you do, but because of the good thing that he has done. Amen. And that he has saved us and he came and died in our place. And so uh, we are his children as a result of it. We are sons and daughters of the promise because of that. And so because of who we are, God deals with us and he works with us in a certain way. And so I want us to remember um, that this is the year of definition for us, right? And so uh, definition means uh, uh, that, you just, that you proclaim something to be as it is. And so uh, I want us to call us to remember who we are, but also who we aren't in this series. And that's what this is about. And so what have we learned so far? We learned that we are committed to doing, to to being more than we are to doing, right? That was the first thing we learned. The second thing that we learned is that we are a a kind church that will speak truth. Then we learned that we are a courageous church that walks in faith. And then we learned last week that we are a generous church that lives selflessly. Amen? And so today, what we're going to discover, and Carlin must have been praying this morning because today we're going to discover that we are a together church. We are a together church with a message that I want to call Be Together. You got it. All right. Y'all winning in this series. (laughs) Turn with me, if you will, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Maybe I should turn there in my Bible. That might help. There we go. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. That's it. That's all I got. Verse 2. It's good enough. It's the, you know. (laughs) Here are these words of our father. He says, I want their hearts to be encouraged. Somebody say encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have, watch this, all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, Father, severing the marrow from the bone. And God, I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls, God. And Lord, that when we hear these words of life that come from you, Father, may we respond by saying, Lord, help us to obey. And Father, I, I pray in that same spirit, Lord, that you would stand in my body and think through my mind and speak through my mouth and let the words of my mouth And the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in who I place all of my trust. And the whole church said, Amen. During World War II, Hitler commanded all the religious groups to unite so that he could control them. Among the Brethren Assemblies, half of them complied with Hitler's order. And the others refused. Those who went along with the order had a much easier time. Those who did not, they faced harsh, harsh persecution. In almost every family of those who resisted in uniting together in the religious groups, out of every in almost every one of those families, someone had died in a concentration camp. When the world war, when the war was over, feelings of bitterness ran deep between the groups and there was much tension. Finally, they decided that the situation had to be healed. So leaders from each group met in a quiet retreat and while they were there for several days, each person had spent time in prayer examining their own hearts in light of Christ's commands. And then they came together. Normally, when they had come together, there was much schism and much fighting and, 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 and much arguing. But this time when they came together, there was peace. So Francis Schaeffer, he asked the question when he was asked about the incident. He said, what, what happened? What changed? And the man replied, he said, we were just one at that point. And so as they confessed their hostility and bitterness to God and yielded to his control, the Holy Spirit created a spirit of unity among them. Love had filled their hearts and dissolved their hatred. So when love prevails among believers especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark that we are true followers of Christ. And so I want to submit this idea to you today is that as followers of Jesus, we must be marked by our togetherness. See, as followers of Jesus, we have to be marked by our unity inside of community. And so the first thing that we've got to be marked with in this passage, it tells us this, is that we've got to be marked in encouragement. See, he says here, he says in verse number two, he says, I want their hearts to be encouraged. See, Paul here is concerned with the heart. That, that, that word means the innermost part of something. And it, it can also mean the center of our will and our character. So, so Paul is concerned with the innermost part of us. He, he's not concerned with this surface level activity that we perform to try to show other people that we're doing all right. See, Paul is deeply concerned with the innermost parts of us, and he is concerned with how we respond in our character and our will towards God. And, 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 and community is the same thing. See, community is so difficult. Why? Because it digs deep into our souls. See, see, community is is tough. Community is hard. Togetherness is really hard because it causes us to to look inside of our hearts into the deep parts of our lives. See, that type of stuff is uncomfortable, highly uncomfortable. Second Corinthians, uh, verse uh, Second Corinthians chapter one tells us, though, he says that God strengthens us how together in christ so that we might be anointed in him for good works so as we look at what it means to be together i want to help us understand this idea is that although it may be tough although it may be difficult god has called us to strive and work together in community and in unity so that we might be everything that he's called us to be so One can acquire almost anything in solitude. Like, you can make a whole lot of money in solitude. You can do that. You can even love yourself in solitude. The one thing that you cannot do in solitude is develop your character that's the one thing you can't do. See, we believe here, and my mentor says all the time, he says that, 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 that self-examination is a community project, right? And we believe that we need one another in order to grow in the character of Christ. And so he says here to them, he says, I want your hearts to what? To be encouraged, See, that word here, it, the, the word encourages, the word parakaleo, it, it is a, it's a word that means to call to one side or to admonish or to to comfort one another. And so Paul here, he, he's, he's letting them know, he's saying, listen, I want you all to be encouraged or comforted to, as you are joined together in love. And so Paul is painting this picture for us because this word here is derived, this this word parakaleo is derived from a word that is used to describe the Holy Spirit, which is paraclete. And so the Holy Spirit, watch this, does his best work in the context of community. So these two words are, are 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 words that are root words and they and they, they come out of the same meaning. So parakaleo and pericle they're the same they're the same common words to to describe what God wants us to have and that is encouragement and comfort which only comes through the Holy Spirit. And so as we look at this I want us to see here, I want us to understand that as we are marked in encouragement then that is the way that we are together. See, we can't go about life just, just, just discouraging everybody. Like, if your, if your motive is, is to discourage people and, and to make people feel less than what God has said they were, guess what? Then you're not in the will of God. And so as we examine ourselves and as we, as we walk together in this life and as, as we, as we look at who it is God is calling us to be, that means that we have to be encouragers of one another. See, oftentimes we, we, we run into situations and challenges and difficulties and we ourselves get discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged before? I was discouraged yesterday as I tried to get up off my couch and my body was just weak and struggling like I was on my feet a whole lot yesterday. I told, I told somebody my ankle was burning. I was like, I don't know what my ankle just burning like it felt like it was on fire <laughs> and I was discouraged like I didn't know what was going to happen. (laughs) My ankle, I'm about to lose my ankle. And so as we're discouraged, right, the thing that we need most in our discouragement is comfort. That's what encouragement means. And so we need the comfort and comfort comes through community. And so as we are called to be together, I I want us to bear that as a banner and as a mark of, of the Christian life for us is that we exist to encourage our brothers and our sisters. That means we don't just say anything to everybody. That just means that we don't just talk to people any old kind of way that means that when we speak to one another we speak words of life even when it's we even when we've got to tell you hard stuff we speak the truth in what in love and so we've got to walk together in this and we've got to understand what it means for us to be together so the first thing is that we've got to be marked in encouragement next is that we got to be marked in love he says here i want their hearts to be encouraged and what joined together in love. See, this is where this 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 joining together. It's it's a word that means to unite or to knit together. This is where we get the idea if you look back there of living woven from. It's this word here. It, it, It talks about us being united or knit together. The Greek word used here is a, is a word where we get the English word symbiotic from. Anybody know what symbiotic means? Anybody ever heard that? Symbiosis involves an interaction between two different organisms living in close association with one another. It, it denotes a mutually beneficial relationship between two different peoples however i i I want us to understand something in a minute that there are different forms of symbiotic relationships so as we are called to be joined together we're called to live woven with one another we're called to be connected to each other in such a way that it is mutually beneficial for all of us So as we go throughout this life, I want us to understand the kind of church that God is calling us to be. I'm sorry, let me change my, we changed our language here at Epiphany. The kind of church that we are is a church that has mutual benefits for every person involved. See, there's not one person who's going to, to, to not receive anything. No, we believe that God has a life for you that is abundant and He has a life for you that will cause you to walk upright and to stand before Him and to proclaim His name before kings and queens. That's what we believe here. And so as we walk through this, I, I want us to understand here what this symbiosis or, or this symbiotic relationship is to look like. Y'all alright if I teach for a second? There are three types of symbiotic relationships. The first one is the one we know, we we know a lot about. It's known as mutualism. See, mutualism is a symbiotic relationship in which both parties benefit. An example of a mutually beneficial relationship, y'all know I love, y'all know I love nature shows, right? I'll be watching the nature channel all day long. Y'all know that. So, there's this, this symbiotic relationship between the goby fish and the shrimp. See, watch this. You gotta understand this, right? See, see, the shrimp, what he does is the shrimp, you know, shrimp are almost blind. You know that? Like, they can barely see anything. And so the, the, the shrimp, what they do is they burrow, they burrow into the sand and they dig holes. So what that allows the goby fish to be able to do is the goby fish can go inside of the burrow and he can hide from predators, right? And he can go inside the burrow and lay, and lay its eggs, right? And so as the as the shrimp is digging the burrow, he's going down, he's digging and he's digging up, there's sometimes predators come by. And as the predators come by, because the shrimp is almost blind, what the goby fish does is the goby fish, he will spin around and he will tap the shrimp with his tail. And so when he taps the shrimp with his tail, the shrimp knows, oh, a predator is coming and we need to get down into the hiding place where I have been digging for so long. And sometimes in our symbiotic relationships, we need people who tap us and let us know you've got to get into the secret place and in the hiding place where God will protect you from your enemies. And see, we walk in these types of things, and oftentimes we don't recognize that we need one another in order to be protected from our enemies, even when that enemy is us. And so what happens is in this mutualism, this symbiotic relationship, the goby fish, he benefits because guess what? Now he has a place where he can where they can plant their eggs and they can see things multiply and grow and they can be helped. And then but the shrimp has the benefit of being able to be protected from its enemies, even though we can't really see where he's going. See, we got blind spots, and so for us, we need some goby fish friends who will tap us when our blind spots are not are, are they're blocked and we can't see where God is directing us. So I want us to get this. Somebody wants to share their password? I don't know. Okay, I'll share it with you. Go ahead. It came up on my my tablet. Shared. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody needed Wi-Fi during the sermon. <sighs> Needed some connection. I got it. Togetherness. There we go. (laughs) The, the, The next type of symbiotic relationship is called commensalism. Commensalism. Commensalism is a symbiotic relationship in which one species benefits while the other is unaffected. See, one species typically uses the other for a purpose other than food. For example, because I know, again, I watch the nature shows. Mites attach themselves to larger flying insects in order to catch a free ride. See, Uber. And so as the mites hop onto the larger insects, they get the benefit of going where they're headed faster because they are commencing with other insects. And sometimes our symbiotic relationship in Christ looks like when I am weak, I got to grab onto my brother and they're going to help me up and they're going to help me move along in the path that God wants me to go. That's the first part. The second part is because I'm a little bit slower, they can help me move a little faster than I would normally move. And so what God wants to help us do is he wants to help us get guided along the path and what he wants us to be on And community or togetherness helps us get there quicker than we would have gotten if we were struggling on our own to get there. And so we get a free ride when we are connected in togetherness. God brings us along for the ride. Hermit crabs. This was the sermon for me to preach. Listen. Hermit crabs. Watch this. They use the shells of other animals who have shedded because they outgrew the shell that they were in and so for us as believers sometimes we've got to attach ourselves to some of the stories and the protections that others have experienced in Christ we don't gotta experience every single thing because we've got a community of brothers and sisters who have gone before us and sometimes all we gotta do is slip inside of their shell and realize that I'm protected from this I know that I don't gotta wander into that because my sister she went through the same thing before, and I can be all right. I just got to slip up inside of her wisdom. I got to slip inside of the shell of her understanding, and i 'm going to be all right see we, we we got to have this in our hearts we got to understand this as we as we live together with one another, we get a mutual benefit, but sometimes, as a stronger believer, it says that those who are strong are to bear the infirmities of those who are weak. So community looks like us bearing one another's burdens. That's what it looks like. The next one, and this one is interesting, it's a symbiotic relationship, but it's called parasitism. Parasitism is a symbiotic relationship in which one species, i.e. the parasite, Benefits while the other species, the host, is harmed. And see, this is a tough one for us. Because sometimes in these relationships of togetherness, you're going to get hurt. See, sometimes in these relationships of togetherness, you're going to be harmed. By one of your brothers and sisters. See, many species of animals have parasites, at least during some stage in their life. But most species also host are hosts to one or more parasites. So some parasites, if you're not careful, they will take your life. And, and, and some parasites, if you're not watchful, They will drain you of all of your strength and all of your might. And so we've got to watch inside of these relationships of togetherness what type of relationships we have around us. And watch this, the boundaries that we set up for ourselves as we are walking in relationship with others. See, we think that as as Christians that we just got to bear everything. The scripture calls us to bear one another's burdens. And burden is a word that refers to a huge rock, something that is bigger than you. But the word to means it to bear is a word that means to carry your own stuff, right? And so sometimes we walk around trying to bear something that we were not intended to carry. And see, we we try to take on one another's big stuff when that stuff is only reserved for God to carry in their lives. And we get so worn down and so beat up and so dragged through the mud is because we're trying to carry stuff that we were not intended to carry. So we've got to understand here, like sometimes there are parasitic relationships in the body of Christ. But guess what? You can get rid of a parasite. Here's how you get rid of a parasite. In love. He says, I I, I want you your heart to be encouraged and joined together in love. See, love is quintessential in making togetherness work. See, we've talked about this already when we, when we were in the sermon, be kind. Sometimes you have to say some things to some people that, that, that may not feel like a good conversation in the moment. But if you've ever been to the doctor and needed some surgery, they had to do some cutting in order to do some healing and see in the body of christ that's what that looks like sometimes you've got to cut the parasite out See, sometimes you've got to extract the parasite and pull the parasite away from you. And then you can be able to walk together in unity and say, no, hold on, brother. Like you've been using me in this area and I'm not going to allow you to use me anymore. I am going to call you to courage and strength so that you can walk on your own two feet and so that you can be everything that God is calling you to be on your own. And so love is what does this. Willa Cather, she says this, she says, where there is great love, there are always miracles. And see, what we have to understand is that God wants to work some miracles in our brothers and sisters lives, in our togetherness, through the love that we display towards them. See, there are some people who have been stuck in some bondage. There are some people who have been stuck in some cycles and some different ways about themselves, and they haven't been set free yet, and the only way that they'll get set free is through our constant and consistent love towards them. That means I'm all right with you being mad at me. I'm going to tell you the truth. That means I'm all right with you not being happy with what I'm saying to you right now because I know that what I'm saying to you is divinely inspired for you to be able to grow up in what God is calling you to grow up in. Why? Because I ain't telling you nothing of my own. I'm telling you what the Word has to say. That's how I know it's divinely inspired because I'm telling you what the Word says. Don't judge me. Be quiet. The Bible's judging you. It cracks me up when people say only God can judge me. He's the worst person you want to ever judge you. Like, if God judges you, you're in a bad way. Like, if he judges you according to his laws and according to his statutes and according to his commands, guess what? We all fall short. None of us measure up to the standard of God. That's why Jesus had to come. And so, we have to walk in love with one another. But we got to walk in such a way that our lives together is inspired by the scriptures and not by our dreams of what community should look like. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his classic life together. If you haven't read that book, you need to read it tomorrow. Amazon will get it there for you tomorrow if you just order it right now today. It's before 2 o'clock. It'll get there to your house tomorrow. <sighs> if anybody's listening, listening from Amazon, that was a plug. and I'll take an endorsement. Now, <laughs> here's what he says. The person who loves their dream of community, this is so crazy, will destroy community. But the person who loves them, who loves those who are around him, will create community. See, oftentimes we paint a picture of what community should look like. You ought to be available every time I call. You ought to give me money any time I ask you. You should be willing to talk to me on the phone for five and six hours while I just run my mouth and you say nothing at all. See, we, we, we create this picture in our mind of what community looks like. And what we end up doing, according to Diedrich Bonhoeffer, is that we destroy actual community. So when w- we paint this picture, we determine the parameters of what community looks like. And that's what not, that's not what God has for us. What God has for us is he has for us to love those who are, are around us. See, we expect that I can love you if you do this. That's not what God says. God tells us to love even our enemies. And your enemy is, is defined as somebody who, who's not doing what you want them to do in that moment. That can be your enemy. Your spouse can be your enemy, even though you're not enemies. And what we have to do is we have to reassign who is an enemy and who is not. See, that's why he calls us to love our enemies because there's a reshaping of that. And so when you're in a, in a, in a harsh argument with, with somebody that you're called to love, you can take a step back and say, hold up one second. We're not enemies here. We're brothers and sisters. And guess what? That means we got to talk to each other a little bit differently. So life together has to look a certain way. Let me teach you again. Jean Varner, she has this thing. She talks about the three stages of togetherness. Togetherness, the first stage of it, you can go to the little slide with it. It's like a click slide. The first stage of life together is the honeymoon stage. See, almost everyone finds the early days of community ideal. Everything seems hunky dory, wonderful, fantastic, stupendous, splendiferous. I got the dictionary out. But it it, it really almost seems perfect in those early stages of community. When you first get to the new church, everybody's so nice, everybody's so friendly. Do you believe they invited me over to the house for dinner? That's never happened to me before. Everything seems perfect. But the reality is, is that we're unable to see the drawbacks because we only see what is good. Everybody seems in the community, everybody seems great, exceptional, and even angelic in those moments. That stage is defined by Psalm 130, 133 and 1. It says how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. So that honeymoon stage, it's everything is perfect right now. It's going great. We have those stages in our relationships too. The, 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 the dude don't got a job, but you're so enamored with him because he told you you look nice. You look nice. Oh, my God. He told me I look nice. Nobody said that to me in 37 days. It's been that long since somebody told me I look nice. I know because I keep a record of it inside of my journal, and I just calculate the days. (laughs) And so... You're unable to see the setbacks of an of a individual and of a man who, won't, who doesn't have a job and who doesn't work, even though he can compliment you. If he's not willing to be complimentary towards you and being able to support you and work with you and to be able to build a life together with you where you can trust him and you can build with him and you can walk with him in light and in truth, then guess what? You are blinded by the honeymoon stage. We get blinded. And it happens. That's the first stage. But then here's what happens. The letdown stage. See, this is the period generally linked to a time of tiredness, a sense of loneliness, or some setback in the relationship. It could be a brush with authority, or it could be an, an argument that didn't go the way, a disagreement that didn't go the way that you thought it was supposed to go. And so in this set backstage, here's what happens. Faults abound, and folks get on your nerves. Come on, somebody. Tell the truth. Folks get on your nerves. Whew you may even begin to believe that you are surrounded by hypocrites. That People love to throw that out about the church. Church full of hypocrites. Yeah, you too, joker. I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to say that. See, this is where we start saying the the, the church didn't love me well. This is where we start saying that stuff. This is where we start saying, you know, I'm just not getting what I need there. That's when we start saying, you know, I, I just wasn't getting fed over there. That, that, that's when we start saying stuff like that. And see, the, the letdown happens, we start to recognize the incompetencies and disorganization of other people's lives. The, the, the structures and competencies that we once thought they had, we begin to realize that those things aren't really there and we're let down by them. And this is the phase where people tend to leave community in search of a more ideal community. That's church hopping, as they would say. Some of you men go women hopping. Because she is a ten over here, but she can't cook that well. She, she, she's, a, she, she's, a, she's a nine in how she dress, but her toes don't look right. Like, this, this is where we start getting let down, like, and we go hopping and say you know what she man she she fine and all that but sometimes her attitude with me to be a little off maybe her attitude would use a little off because you act crazy maybe maybe her attitude would choose a little off because you don't put her before yourself as the scripture would call you to do maybe that's the case And that even happens uh, listen i'm even gonna help married folk today that even happens in our marital relationships we we get into an argument with our spouse and we start thinking about all the women that we could that we could have had besides her i'ma tell the truth we get into an argument. y'all y'all can be quiet on me men if that's all right y'all scared i understand but i done been in some arguments with my wife and i thought listen and she wouldn't slam the door and i went down the steps huffing and puffing and i started thinking well you know uh samantha wouldn't treat me like this And so we we get in this phase, and we, we get let down by people, and we try to move on to something more ideal. And here's the reality. When you move to greener grass, the grass is green over there because nobody's walking on it. See, your grass might have a little brown, but that's because there's been some, some battles together. There's been some, some fights together. There's been some, some going through some stuff together. There's been some enduring through some stuff together. Yeah. And the grass might be a little brown and worn down over here, but that grass over there hasn't been stepped on. The last stage is the covenant stage. See. If phase two is completed, folks enter into a phase of genuine commitment. See, in this phase, members of the community are no longer saints or devils. They're just people. Each with a mixture of good stuff about them. And bad stuff about them. They're a mixture of darkness in some places and light in other places. Each but 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 they're each growing and they each have their own hope and purpose inside of them. So what happens is this it, it is at this time that the realism of people. Puts its roots down in our lives. So the community, guess what it becomes? It becomes neither heaven or hell. But it becomes firmly planted here on earth. And so when we enter into the covenant stage, that's why our idea of membership here is that you are covenant community members. You make a covenant to be a part of this church and that comes with some things that you covenant to do. When you go through step one of growth track, you learn all about what those are. And so we, we covenant certain things. See, my Job 34, he says this, he says, let us judge for ourselves what is right, but let us decide together what is good. See, Job understood that, That separately, I might have some ideas about the right way to do this. Separately, I might have an idea about which is the right direction for us to go as a community. Separately, I might have some ideas about how our marriage is supposed to be directed that I think are right. So Job says, let's just decide on our own what is right but let us decide together what is good and see in that decision that is made together we that's where covenant happens and as a community you know what we decide that we're going to pursue our purpose instead of pursuing our potential see we have the potential to do all types of stuff at the park yesterday so many people they were asking me will you guys do this do you guys do this at your church nope did, did, did you? Did you? Are you guys raising money for the Bahamas? Nope. Uh, are, are you? Are you guys raising uh, money for for uh, 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 refugees? In Iraq? No,pe we're not doing that. See, we have the potential to do all that stuff. We do, but that's not aligning us to our purpose in Christ, and that happens in your relationships too. We have expectations in our relationships, that our relationships are supposed to fulfill us. And guess what? That you have the potential to be fulfilled in your relationship. You do. But that's not the purpose of relationships. They're not there to fulfill you. Only Jesus can fulfill you. And so as we're walking in relationships and trying to understand who it is and what it is that God has purpose for us, we've got to have a clear purpose statement for our lives. For us here is that we love the word, we live woven, we lead lifestyles of worship, and we leverage our work. That's our purpose. We will do that. And we'll do that by being on the block, in the middle of it, for the glory of Christ. That's how we do that. So we're not going to go and try to do everything. But what happens is oftentimes we get caught up in our feelings about things. You ever had a discussion with somebody and say, well, I just feel. Okay. That's cool. We could take that. Feelings direct us. But they don't determine for us. See, our our feelings can't be. The, 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 the determining factor in, in, in how we do things. It can't be. God's not a God of feelings. So it, it is Mason Cooley, he said, it's, the, it's commitments not feelings that hold our lives together. See, in those moments when me and my wife have argued and she slams the door and I run down the stairs, if I was trusting my feelings, guess what I would do? I'd call Samantha. Somebody tell the truth. If we were dealing with our feelings, we would call up Samantha. Y'all would call Tyrone. You better call Tyrone. Sorry. <laughs> Y'all would do it. But, watch this. My commitment to her makes me curse her out under my breath because I wouldn't curse her out to her face. I curse around in my breath and say, you hungry? You want something to eat? That usually brings my wife and I back together. (laughs) Is we can get a meal together. That usually works. Married people, when you're having arguments, let little time just sizzle, pass a little bit, and then say, hey, you hungry? It works. (laughs) It it works. (laughs) My commitment to her or my covenant with her more so my covenant with her and God won't allow me to step and walk on my feelings. And so the same is true inside of community of Christ is that your covenant to serve with this branch of Zion, this house, these people of God who come through these doors at 301 North Union Street, your covenant to be with them and to be connected with them won't let you walk out on your feelings when you get into a disagreement and you feel misunderstood. We covenant with each other because we're called to be together. I got to move. I've I've got a lot of time. The the last piece is this. We are marked in wealth together. Says this, first two, says, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love. Why? So that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Riches refers to the abundance that we have in Christ. He says here, I want you to have complete understanding. That can also be translated as full assurance of the understanding that you have in Christ. See, it is commitment that draws us to togetherness because we're fully assured in our understanding that God is able to work out my differences with my brother and my sister in Christ if we're both committed to leaning on the word of God and doing what the word of God says. My commitment to, to, to obeying the scriptures gives me full assurance in my marriage that my wife is compatible with me no matter what. See, we say stuff like, oh, we're just not compatible anymore. <laughs> We've got some unreconcilable differences, me and Tina. And, 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 and the reality is this. No, you haven't committed yourself to the riches of the full assurance that you have in Christ and his understanding of him. So understanding, he says, I want you to have the full assurance or the complete understanding. This word is beautiful. The word for understanding here is where we get the word synthesis. It's a word that means a running together or a flowing together. So what Paul is arguing here, he's arguing, he says, I want you to be, to be encouraged and joined together in love so that you may have the full rich, the riches of complete understanding. In other words, he's saying, I want you to be so connected together that you just flow with one another. See, Martha and Tom Spittle can tell us because they've been married for a while. That some things at at a certain point in time they just flow. They just flow. Like they, they they don't even have to talk about it so much because they know one another, because they've been together. And so th- th- there's this flowing that happens inside of the relationships. And that's what we, 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 we are building here at, at Epiphany Church is we're building the types of relationships where we're on cue with one another and we just flow together with one another. And so the, it talks about, the word refers to two rivers. And so when I, when I went, I went to Montana this summer and I got to close. I went to Montana this summer. And I went fishing. And so when I went fishing, there was points in the river where there were inlets, uh, there, were, there were streams of the river that started to flow together, right? And in those points of the stream, the guy who was guiding us, he would get excited. He would go, oh, there's a flow. And he would tell us, when you see that flowing together that's where you want to cast your line because in that flowing together when when those two parts of the water start to float the two parts of the river start to flow together that's where the fish are because in that flowing together in that in that streaming together of the waters there's more oxygen there because of the current And so the fish like to swim in that part because they get more oxygen in that space and so what I'm arguing for us today is that when we flow together as we live lives together as we're called to be together that's the place where we will find more life in Christ is because we are flowing together with one another and so if you're struggling And you're you're feeling as if my life isn't as complete as I'd like it to be. Full life in Christ happens in the context of togetherness. When when we're united together, when we're together as God has called us to be, that is the right place for us to be. Why? Why? Matthew 18, 20 tells us, he says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. We need the presence of God. Amen. We need the presence of God in our lives. And if we're going to make the full impact that God's called us to make as a church, we've got to do that together. See, snowflakes are one of nature's most fragile things. But together, look at what they can do. They can create storms, blizzards, keep you trapped inside your house for days because they're together. And you might feel like, I'm just fragile. I don't got it all together. I don't have all that it takes but God is saying get with my people be together and watch the strength that you will have one another say be together one more time say be together let the firehouse hear us be together God we pray Lord that you would draw us together in such a significant and powerful way we will be called to examine ourselves to see whether or not we are walking rightly before you. You prayed in John 17 that we would be one like you and the father are one. God, make us one today. Help us to proclaim that we are a church that is marked by our togetherness. God, I pray by your spirit that you would teach us to pursue togetherness, even when it doesn't feel good, to pursue togetherness, even when we don't feel like it, it's by your power.